This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. On the show, you'll hear from everyday people changing their lives doing property development. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they've faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques that you can use to accelerate your property journey. I'm your host, Amanda McEwen, and I'm the founder of The Rising Star Developer, and I'm really passionate about helping everyday Australians build lifestyle using property development. Welcome to Building Lifestyles, a place where we dive deep into stories of resilience, determination and the journey to success. I'm your host, Amanda McEwen, and today we have an episode that I promise will not only touch your heart, but will ignite your spirit. Our guest today is someone who exemplifies the true meaning of perseverance and strength. He's a seasoned property investor with 26 years experience, a passionate dragon boat racer, and most importantly, a two-time cancer survivor who has faced life's toughest challenges with unwavering commitment and courage. I'm incredibly honoured to introduce you today to Jeff Carter. In this episode titled Investing in Life, Jeff's inspirational story of cancer commitment and courage will uncover the layers of his remarkable journey from battling not one but two cancers to facing the ups and downs of the property market. Jeff's story is a beacon of hope and a testament to the power of the human spirit. So without further ado, let's dive into this awe-inspiring conversation. So Jeff, welcome to Building Lifestyles. We're so grateful to have you with with us today. Thanks very much, Amanda. I don't know that I'm all that all that awe inspiring, but oh yeah, thanks very much for the interview. We'll let the uh, listeners decide that. But uh, what I've heard about your story, I'm in awe of, uh, of your journey. And I can't wait to share it with the listeners. So let's just start off by sharing a bit about your journey as a property investor and how you've managed to sustain your passion for property over 26 years. Yeah, well, my journey began after 30 years in the army, uh, discharged from the army. And part of my retirement money was as a payout. That gave me enough money to go off and purchase my first in investment property. And in fact, what I did was I purchased two investment properties, as it turned out. So that got me on the road to investing straight away, not just being a homeowner. And that the reason I was able to do that was I noticed that one of the properties that I was looking at to buy to live in was in very good condition. The tenants had kept it in very good condition. Their furniture was in good condition. Everything that about the property was was good. So I decided to leave them there and, and, and wangled my broker to find some more money for me so that I could go off and buy another property. And that was the investment property. I ended up living in that. It needed some cosmetic renovations. So I did that while I was living in the property. And lo and behold, there was I was suddenly an investor. Amazing. So how many investment properties did you end up purchasing in that in those 26 years for yourself because I know you've purchased for a lot of other people as well but just for you personally yeah I had uh, in properties that I purchased and sold myself that was in Australia I had properties in Western Australia Queensland and the ACT I also have properties overseas in China so altogether about 30 we've got 13 properties okay and so what was your strategy when you started heading down that investor path my strategy at the time was to buy and hold. And, and it's a fairly common strategy, I suppose. One of the things I did right at the start was to start reading a lot of books, talking to a lot of people, because I didn't really know much about property. I always knew since I was 19 years old that I wanted to buy investment property, but just never got the chance to do it. A bit hard in the army when you're moving around every couple of years. 
But when I got into the property investments, my strategy was that I was going to buy the, buy as many as I could in the year, in my working years and then pay it once I got to a type point where I wanted to retire. Hopefully that was going to be around about the 55-year mark. My plan was to sell off as many as I needed to pay the rest off and then with my army pension and then the, the income from my properties that I had remaining, I should have been able to live fairly happily. Okay. And so what actually happened during that journey? I guess before we even get to that part, what were the key learnings that you took out of that investment path? The investment, the key learnings, I guess, was that you really need to have a strategy. You need to have a plan and work to that plan. When you're an investor, you need to keep your emotions out of buying property, you know, and that all came over a number of years. At, at first, when I bought those first two properties, they, that was all emotion driven One because it was a great house and I really liked the look of it and everything. Decided to move on to the to the investment property because it, there was an opportunity to make money there. I could see that, and I always go back to uh, property investment. Always goes back to uh, 1976 when I was posted to Toowoomba. I remember thinking, "Gee, Wilsonton, which is one of the the, the high end areas of of Toowoomba." I thought, "Gee, I'd love to go and buy one of those houses, but." $36,000 for a three-bedroom brick-and-tile house, I will never be able to afford a house. So I didn't. I went off and bought a motorbike instead. Okay. Uh, now I wish I'd bought 10 of those properties. And I always go back to that time when I bought that motorbike. It was a great motorbike. I actually made money out of that too. But but just if I had gone and bought one or two of those houses, they're all worth up close to a million dollars now in, in today's money. So... Yes, and retrospect's a great thing when you're an investor. And I think if we look at the trends of property historically, there's one direction the property's always gone and that has been up. And there may be some minor bumps here and there. I speak, regularly speak to investors and developers and many people sit on the fence going, oh, I'm just going to wait till the property market pulls back or I'm just going to wait till prices get cheaper. That very rarely happens. You might be lucky with an occasional blip here and there, but I think all of us look back and think, gosh, why didn't we buy some more property? I think back to even my developments, think, gosh, why if I kept those? They're now two, three hundred thousand dollars more. Yeah, but you make decisions based on the, the time that you're at. What made you go into investing in China? My wife's Chinese. Yeah. Uh, I'd lived in China prior to meeting her, I'd lived in China for five years. It was a good, it's a pretty poor property investment environment over there and we didn't intend to invest basically what we wanted to do was just buy a house to live in when we were in China and and that was just off the back of they were cheap to buy it's not a big house with a big yard or anything around it we've got the properties we've got over there are in high-rise apartments and that's pretty much the way a lot of people live over there our plan over there is to eventually we'll sell those and then buy ourselves a, a property with a bit of yard around it so that we can sort of live a, a little bit more of an Australian life, have, have a dog and, you know, chooks and everything. But uh, yeah, the property market itself over there and especially at the moment isn't isn't good. So I wouldn't suggest to anybody to go spearing off over there and, and start investing. I spent a lot of time in country, worked in country. So I, I was able to research the situation and I didn't buy the properties for investment purposes. The properties we've got are us to live in. One of them is basically just a holiday house in a in a tourist area, another, and, the, and, the, and we like to go there occasionally. We, we own all the properties in China outright, so we haven't got any debt over in China to worry about. So yeah, we, it's not necessarily a good investment environment for property, but we had a whole different strategy over there. 
Yeah. And that's the thing that people's investment strategies are very unique to them based on their circumstances. That's why it's really important to understand why you're investing in the first place. If we think back to when you had the properties in Australia, were they negative geared, cash flow positive? How were they balanced? The way I wanted to set my, my whole property portfolio up was so that if something drastic happened, it could support itself or I could support it. And so the way I started off buying negative geared properties, but that can only take you so far because your salary can only pay for so many so many mortgages. So I had my portfolio fairly evenly balanced. I had positive geared properties and I had negative geared properties. And my thinking behind that was that if, if something happened to... The, to the property market, the media is always espousing, oh, the property market's going to crash, you know, and it, it never has. I don't think it ever will in Australia. But just in case something went wrong, I made sure that my properties could support themselves if something happened to my job, for example, or if something drastic did happen to the property market, my salary could support my properties. In, to that end, I went back to my roots and worked as a diesel fitter in mining. So I was earning very good salary over there. And so that if the property market did crash, I had stacks of money. I also maintain a 50,000, just a buffer to, to allow me to get over any drastic drops in the market or anything, or 10 vacancies. And so I thought I had the properties pretty well covered. And I had uh, properties that were earning enough money on, on the positive geared side so that if I lost my job, the mine closed down or something, then the properties could look after themselves. So I thought I had all the bases covered. What I didn't have covered was two things happening at the same time. Okay, so let's, let's share with the listeners what those two things were, the pivotal in uh, what happened with your portfolio. Well, everything was running along smoothly. I had my properties. I was working in mining, earning a good salary. I had my 50 buffer. I was also planning my next property already. And I noticed that running up and down the stairs of the mining equipment that we worked on, I was getting more and more breathless all the time. And I just thought, okay, I'm getting, I'm in my late 50s now. I'm, I'm getting old and unfit. You know, I was at one stage a marathon runner. So I thought, well, those days are gone now. But I went to the doctor when I caught, when I caught a flu and couldn't get rid of the cough. After a few tests and x-rays and things, they found out that I had a, a blood cancer, which had metastasized in my right lung. And my right lung was almost entirely a tumor. So all of a sudden, cancer came along. And I can remember to this day sitting in the, the office of the GP and my head was literally swimming, just thinking, oh, no, you've got to be joking, cancer. So I went home and I sat down and just sort of started to plan out what I needed to do to uh, to get over the cancer chiefly, but also what I had to do with my property portfolio. I still had mortgages to pay. I was living in Kalgoorlie at the time. So a lot of trips down to Perth to the hospital, to the cancer care center down there, and a lot of tests and scans and blood tests and a whole bunch of uh, things to determine the cancer I had. The thing that really hit me hard was that the cancer report had originally had metastasized in my lung. They thought I had lung cancer. And the GP broke it to me, Jeff, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you've got lung cancer and it doesn't look good. And I just thought, oh, wow. I've never smoked in my life. How do I get lung cancer? How? And I just felt totally ripped off yeah. uh, that, that I'd never smoked in my life. And here I am with lung cancer. But it turned out to be a blood cancer that was just in my lung. But the on the downside, it was late stage four. Once they staged the cancer, it was late stage four. And for people who don't know anything about cancer, there is no stage five. 
So things weren't looking good. I had to jump out of mining straight away. So quickly, in fact, that my daughter flew over from Canberra to pack up my house. I jumped on the plane when she arrived and flew back to Canberra to, to begin chemotherapy. And that started the day after I got back. I wasn't totally destitute though, I, other than the cough that I couldn't get rid of, which was the, the telling factor. You know, the doctor, I, I felt perfectly fine. I had no pain. There were, everything was, everything else was just was just normal. When I went back home, I even took my dragon boat paddle with me just in case I could get in the boat. But the doctors were saying to me, yeah, look, we're going to do this and this will happen. We've got this treatment. This will happen. You're not a feeble old man. You're still reasonably fit. I'd still been working out in the gym the whole time I was over there. So they said, you're not a feeble old man. Your body should handle this chemotherapy really well. And because of that fact, we're going to hit you with a very strong chemotherapy. And Actually, the recovery from, from that cancer actually set a few records. They told me it was there was one world record and two Canberra Hospital records that, set for, that, that I set for the recovery on that treatment. And one of them was that that chemotherapy just hit me so well. I can remember sitting up after the, watching the, the Tour de France, as I do every year, at about two o'clock in the morning, and I could feel the pressure easing out of my lungs. At the three-month of a six-month period, chemotherapy period, they couldn't find trace of the tumour in my lung. I also had three tumours around my stomach and the cancer was in my bone marrow. So they couldn't find any tumours. They found one small mark on the scans of my lung and they said, yeah, that could be just scar tissue from the tumour. But they said that was just an amazing recovery period. And it pointed me to the fact that I've maintained a pretty healthy lifestyle, a pretty fit lifestyle all my life, played sport all my life. And, and that came back to help me right right there and then. That's for sure. And then in terms of your property portfolio, because you were having treatment and, and not working, what actually happened with all of that? What happened with that was like about a month after I started the chemo, I just looked at what my properties were and I thought, great, I've set this up well because my properties were going to pay for themselves. I still had the 50,000 in the bank. So all of that was looking good. I had a 12-month chemo, a six-month chemo period, and then six-month recovery after that where I wasn't allowed back to work. And what I had, the way I'd set my property portfolio up, covered that plus the buffer that I had. That was all, all covered pretty well. I was living with family, so I donated there, but there was no pressure there. When I started the chemo program, I was totally at ease. I thought, okay, this is all going to work fine. Then about a month later, the mining construction boom collapsed and all the electricians and scaffolders and all the builders and carpenters all went home. So that dropped the market very drastically. So my star properties that were earning money and paying for my property portfolio suddenly weren't. And in fact, my $50,000 buffer disappeared very quickly because suddenly I was paying off five mortgages with, with no income. So that was a bit hard to take. And that probably knocked me around every bit as much as realizing that suddenly I had cancer. Because mm. uh, you know everything I've worked for that, I joined the army at 15 years old and joined the army apprentice school with the sole aim of setting myself up for retirement. And here I was watching my whole retirement for all those years go down the gurgler. So that was a bit tough to take. Oh, absolutely. So how, you know, what did you draw on to get through not only a health crisis, but heading into a financial crisis as well, just by things that were outside of your own control with the market tanking in the mining area as it did? Yeah, that was a bit hard to take. And I guess harder, part of that is because of what you just said that was out of my control. 
I'm probably a bit of a control freak. I like to be in control of everything that I do. Yeah. Uh, so that 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 yeah, that was hard to take. When I when I realised that, I, I I basically just had to sit down and plan the best way that I could move forward. Mm-hmm. So instead of having the six month recovery period, as soon as my chemo finished, I was back into the workforce. I had to get they, the the mind that I was working at kept my my job open, so I was able to jump straight back into that. But I was told in no uncertain terms by the cancer, by the, the, the hematologists who look after my cancer, I was told in no uncertain terms that they suggested very strongly that I don't work around carcinogens. And in gold mining, there are lots of carcinogens. So I, I just basically worked there until I could get myself back on my feet enough to get out of mining, basically. Yeah. So during that time, you mentioned that you looked at your portfolio and you made some decisions while you were going through cancer because of the, the property in the mining town tanking like it did. So you made some decisions on your portfolio and you what did you do there to try? Basically and- what I did was I I had to sell, some, start selling some of my properties, start thinking about selling them. So looking at the properties that, that I could sell, obviously the ones in the mining towns because of the mining boom suddenly dying weren't going to sell. No one was buying property in mining towns. And neither was I when I first started off my portfolio. I was always going to stay out of mining towns. But saw my friends doing extremely well for many, many years. So I thought, well, maybe I should buy a couple. So what I did was I had to sell the properties that were that were going well. That And they were my two properties in the ACT. They were both... I'd had them for, for quite a while. I'd had them for 15 years. So I had... A fair bit of equity in those and to sell those i came out of those with without without a loss and 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 put money back in my pocket which helped me to keep the other the other ten, some of the other properties going so all in all i ended up having to sell three properties and and the ones i maintained were the ones that basically i i couldn't sell yeah or, or i would have lost massively to sell yeah okay all right that yeah that's always a challenging time isn't it but fortunately mm. you were able to hold on to those and, and push your way through that time weren't you yeah thanks to my darling wife i you know she's been working like a trojan just to try and keep our head above water you know as was i but everything that that we'd sort of fallen into was all due to things that i had done or that had happened to me so I sort of felt a, a, a bit of guilt there that that she was going through all all the, the same things that I was. And I didn't want to sort of drop off the perch at any particular time and leave her with nothing and, and struggling in life. And in fact, you know, one of the things that you often say is you've got to have your why. My why changed drastically. It changed from all, all from, oh, well, you know, so I want to have a retirement. I want to go and visit my kids. I've got a great grandson now, so... You know, I want to go and visit all my family and all those sort of things. So it changed from a normal retirement to, you know, I need to make sure that my wife is looked after, you know, should I happen to drop off the perch. Yeah, no, that is so important, making sure you, you set yourself up properly. So you navigated through that the, the first cancer. You made some decisions around your property portfolio, got yourself to a position where you could keep a couple of the properties and you started working again. What happened after that? Yeah, for a while we were just, we were working just to pay off mortgages for, for a few years. And it just didn't seem like there was ever going to be, you know, I was, I was 58 years old and basically starting my, my, my working life again because I'd just lost such a huge amount, you know, millions of dollars worth of properties had, had disappeared uh, and, and millions and millions of dollars of my retirement had, had disappeared. We were just working to keep the properties that we had. In the end, I, you know, we just decided we can't 
keep doing that. The why was going to be unachievable if we kept doing that. So we ended up buyer selling a, an, another couple of the properties just so that we weren't paying for them. So yeah. that it brought what we were paying for under control. Yeah. Uh, and and that didn't reduce the workload at all. We just kept working and working to then do better with the ones that we had. Yeah. Um, that that sort of came to fruition. You, you sort of realised that there are a lot of people out there to talk to you about financial help, but there's not many people out there who can actually do anything. I did come across a company that were absolutely brilliant and were able to negotiate some relief with the banks. So that was that was a lifesaver you know that that sort of really really boosted us along but we as i said but it, it didn't reduce nothing reduced the workload we just had to keep working and working but we got ourselves back to a point where we've now back into our we're in our own home where it's a house that we're going to renovate it's already in, in a good growth area that it's already growing just in the three months since we've bought it. Once we renovate it, it will add a lot of value to it. We're, it's an 800 square meter block. We're going to put a granny flat in the back. And then basically we're going to, once we've finished all that, we're going to rent those out and then we'll move on and find something else. Amazing. And so then you got your second diagnosis. So what happened there? Well, that was 12 months ago. And the last 12 months was just a real horror 12 months Yet again, everything was going along sweet. I, my father had prostate cancer, so I was always making sure that I had my annual prostate cancer checks. And lo and behold, one of my readings was a little bit high one time. Luckily, I had a conscientious GP. The GP sent me off to get some some tests, and then I ended up going to a biopsy where they took some pieces out of the prostate and discovered that while there's only one type of prostate cancer, I had a very aggressive form of it. So they lined me up for an operation to take the cancer out. So they were going to just remove the whole prostate. And because of the aggressiveness of the cancer, they they just felt that was the safest thing to do. Unfortunately, the surgeon got COVID. So that was six weeks that all everything was delayed. He was back for a week. Then I got COVID. They won't operate on you inside six weeks of having a disease like that. I was a week outside recovering from COVID. And then I got a thing called bronchiastasis, which is a massive chest infection. So I was in hospital for a week on intravenous antibiotics. Then it was Christmas. And so everything flowed over to Christmas. They finally got to the biopsy and found out exactly what it was. But then it took till the end of April by the time they had rejigged all the interruptions and rescheduled all the interruptions that I was having. So that was eight weeks off the road out of my business. My business suffered drastically. Um, and I'd, it was only a new business that I'd been building up over a few years. So it was a bit of a shame to just build up momentum in that and then have to scrap that. But I came out of, out of that okay. That was when we bought this property. We moved into the property, so a couple of weeks off the road there. And then we only just moved into the property and I managed to pick up shingles. So that was another week in hospital and three weeks out of, out of society because of contagious disease requirements so yeah that was uh, pretty quite a challenging challenging year and despite being unwell for the eight months you still managed to work on your business building your strategy and even purchase a new property so what kept you motivated and kept you moving forward such, during such challenging times given it was the second time you've experienced illness and had that impact on your business how did you keep 
being so driven to even go out there and buy another property and, and work on your business during that time? Yeah, I've always maintained that uh, that life isn't a dress rehearsal. We only get one life and this is it. So you get two choices. You can make the most of it or you can just throw it away. I've just always chosen to make the most of it. I've, until that first cancer diagnosis, I've always been supremely fit. I've always been very healthy, never had any health problems before. And it's only the medication, the cancer medication I'm on that brought on a lot of these problems I've had over the last couple of years because it's an immunosuppressant. So walking around in, in society with no immunity doesn't do you much good. No. Pick up anything that's going. So yeah, it creates challenges. And, and and yeah, I have times where I sit there and I just think to myself, well, oh, damn, here we go again, you know, and you just got to pick yourself up and, and dust yourself off. But there's a lot of mindset sayings around the place. And one of them that I like, apart from the fact that life isn't a dress rehearsal, is you know, you're not measured by how many times you get knocked down, you're measured by how many times you get up. And so I just make sure I keep getting up. Yeah, and that's why I find you so inspirational, the way that you overcome such adversity, not once but twice, and the journey that you've been in your property portfolio has had ups and downs and roller coaster rides, and you've still had the resilience to dust yourself up pick yourself up and keep working towards your goals. I think that's what's really, really inspiring. And yeah, I think that's certainly a lesson to all of us here is when you think you're having a hard day, you know what, you can choose to actually just let it hit you down. And some days you do have down days, but always pick yourself up and keep going because you're right, life isn't a dress rehearsal. And I know during a conversation, you said you had a life goal to live to 100. Um, mm. So how does this personal goal influence your decisions and your plans with your property investment and development? Yeah, it's it's just a funny thing that I've always had. I don't know why. I just want to know what it feels like to be 100 years old. So that for me, that comes around in 2057. It's just something that I've always had in, in my mind to be to that age. And I was at a speaking event with a pharmaceutical company who manufactures my medication. And they asked me to go and speak there and just talk to their business unit about the importance of their job. And, and I just brought that up. And it, it ended up being a catch cry for those people that at the time I had 39 years until I, I reached 100. And, and it was part of their job to keep me alive so that I could get there. And a lot of people say to me, oh, geez, how unlucky are you? Two cancers, you know, that's really unlucky. And I just say, well, look, how lucky am I? Because I've got two cancers. One of them relapsed after three years. So, and, and nine years later, I'm still here talking about both of them. So, so really, how lucky am I? And that, I always think about one thing when I first was diagnosed and I was, I'd gone home and I was sitting on that couch with a beer wondering what came next. And I thought to myself, well, at the time, you know, I thought to myself, I'm 57 years old. Some people get cancer when they're seven years old. You know, they don't even get to live a life. And, and I've lived for 57 years. So that from that point on, that's just how I approached everything I did. Sure, I had a late stage four cancer, but every day that I saw the sun come up, every day that I was on the right side of the grass was a good day. Yeah, and that's a beautiful philosophy, making the most of every single day because you're right, you know, life is a gift, that's for sure. Yeah. Since that time, you then, you, after going through your journey with your property investment portfolio, you then invested in yourself and joined the inner circle. What made you contemplate doing property development after having been through that journey of property investment, selling down, restarting again? 
what inspired you to take that next step? I knew that I didn't have the time. When I first started investing, I was 40 years old. And so now at, at 66 years old, I don't have the time to build investments. I mean, in my newsletters that I write to my readership, I always tell people that investments are about time. And, and the newsletter I wrote was just about that. You buy any investment, whether it be stock market, whether it be property, whether whatever, you're not you're, you're not buying that investment. You're buying time because investments, good investments, improve over time. And you know that's where I just base a lot of my plan ahead. And now I know I don't have that time build up. Like I've got this property now, and in in two or three years we'll have it all sorted, and we'll be looking for the next phase. That's the plan. But I don't have the time to build up millions of dollars. In, in that fashion. So I thought that development might be the way to go. Um, one of the reasons that I signed up with Rising Star was because of what I had seen from your videos that I had watched was that you seemed very approachable and very knowledgeable. I thought, well, there's somebody that I can approach and gain knowledge. So that's what I did. And I, and, and I did the course. Unfortunately, I, I, I guess I'd probably, looking in hindsight, I'd probably taken on a little bit too much because at the time I just started my business and I was putting a lot of time and effort into that as well. And that had to be the priority at the time. Then along came the second cancer. So that trashed the last 12 months. But uh, yeah, I haven't given up yet. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And I think an interesting point as well is with property investment, you're absolutely right. It's, it's more of a retirement strategy for longer term lifestyle, whereas property development is where you can generate lump sums in a shorter period of time. So mm. for whether you're in retirement phase or whether you're just starting out, yeah, to be able to get those returns faster, that's one of the key benefits of, or yeah. one of the many benefits of property development. And we're in a smaller gains strategy at the moment with this renovation and then building the granny flat and renting them out. But it's the means to get us back onto the road to go to the next phase. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you're also a buyer's agent. So it's inspired. You've actually helped over 20 clients in their property journey through your buyer's agency as well. So as a, a buyer's agent, what do you find is the most rewarding about helping other people achieve their property goals? Buying property for other people is extremely different to buying property for yourself. And I, and I sort of didn't realize that until I became a buyer's agent, had done all the courses, real estate courses, and then I did a, a specific buyer's agent course. And, and I just sort of, it, you're taking on a lot of responsibility for someone else's financial future. I treat it very seriously. Not that I don't treat my own seriously, but the experiences I've had in 26 years, and especially over the last nine years, it lets me take the blinkers off and, I can, and, I, and use my peripheral vision to do a lot of research about what that person's goals are, what the, the buyer's goals are. And I, I do a one-hour free consultation with every buyer who comes to me to determine that and to find out what their property journey has been so far, if there has been one, what their goals are with this particular purchase and how that's going to fit into their profile, into their property portfolio rather. But you know, I don't try to be an investment advisor because I'm not. But I, I certainly try to make sure that the property that I present to them for a fair purchase is that as close to what they want. The perfect property is never out there. I always tell people that. But I try to put the property to them that is the best one to suit their situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And finally, Jeff, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in property investment, especially considering the wealth experience and the ups and downs that you've encountered over the years? Do your sums, do your research, make a plan, talk to lots of people, 
read lots of books and that's pretty much what I still do to this day. I do that all the time, especially research and, and make a plan. If I just went off and bought properties willy-nilly as I could afford them or whatever, and I hadn't had that two-phase cover-everything plan, if one of those things had happened to me, if cancer had happened, or if I had lost my job, no problem. I had it covered. I don't know how far you need to go to plan, but I didn't have a plan for two things, two massive things like that happening at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that might have been my fault. I don't know many people, even of the property investors I know who have both would have both of those things covered, but have a plan to cover, have your out plan. And that's something that I've learned well and truly from Rising Star is, and, and that you've said, have your out plan before you have your in plan. And yeah. I now say that to my clients, make sure yeah. that you've got an out plan before you get your in plan sorted. Yeah, so having an exit strategy and always starting with the end in mind are two things that are constantly staying inside the inner circle. Yeah. Look, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's certainly you've had a full life. You've had a lot of challenges come your way, but your resilience and your ability to stay positive and, and choose life is really, really inspiring. So the fact that you're still motivated to keep going on property, keep working towards your dreams is really inspirational. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. No doubt all of you will be yeah. as inspired as I am when I talk to you and look forward to working with you and helping you in your property development journey too. Yeah, thank you very much. I've got 34 years to go yet, so it's not over. Lots of time, lots of deals to be done, lots of fun to be had. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. This podcast was produced by the Rising Star Developer. We've been helping Australians realise their financial and lifestyle goals since 2020. We play a pivotal role in educating, supporting and celebrating the goals and successes of our students and our community. To find out how we can help you realise your property, wealth and lifestyle goals, head to our website www.risingstardeveloper.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Building Lifestyles, be sure to subscribe to and follow the show in your favourite podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review as it really helps others find the show. I'm Amanda McEwen, and we'll be back next episode with more tips on how you can build your lifestyle.